This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Educational Triage. This week, we're looking at online platforms, the advantages, disadvantages, and whether or not they are truly full of equity and if they work for our alternative education students. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you hit like for further episodes. And before you do any of that, we have to say, hey, 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 to Philip Summers. Aloha. I was How just you? listening to you. I was intrigued. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so Philip, you taught in a program that was exclusively online learning. That's right. And by online learning, we're talking about platforms such as Edgenuity, Odyssey, Where, uh, Plato. We're not going to talk about any specific one. We're going to speak about them in generalities. Yeah. Because they're all pretty much the same as far as when it comes down to how they operate. Correct? Yep, they did. Yeah, the structure's the same. Yeah, okay. it's, and it's based on the structures that a school would be based upon. Like, uh, for example, uh, U.S. history, you know, the first unit would be Age of Discovery and, and Exploration. And then the second would be the landing at Jamestown and then the establishment of the colony. Okay. So then, yeah. That, so the platforms basically, yeah, they're just structured primarily the way that a regular classroom would pretty much yeah, actually, but they actually overload what they have, don't they? Because it depends on whether or not a teacher or whoever wants to go in one direction and focus in on something else, or especially with time, because yeah. what I've discovered in using them is that, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, there might be like 59 hours worth of material that they want the students to learn that they need to understand for a semester. semester. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's more than that. It might be a little more, yeah. Yeah, it might be 68 or 70 hours. But what districts are stating is that they want students to complete every single item successfully that's in there, which is rather punitive because most, maybe half to two thirds of that material is not gonna be covered in a regular classroom. 
I mean, they yes. may, there may be allusions to Good it, point. but but it's not actually covered. And yeah. so if they're going to be using it as a credit recovery sort of option, then what they're doing is they're saying, because you refuse to listen, you will now suffer those consequences. Yeah, I'm afraid you're correct. Just for context, maybe some people don't understand this. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. The way it works is that the first units like uh, of, of U.S. history would be, you know, uh, Age of Discovery. And within the Age of Discovery, there would be mention of uh, the expansion, colonialism, some of the people that did it, some of the nations, some of the conflicts. So there's subsections within that. And you're right. <laughs> it's very laborious. There's a lot of detail to it. Um and I'm, I'm a historian and a history teacher, and I'll tell you, I'm really kind of not good at dates, but I'm good at remembering the story. So, for example, if you're talking about pre-Civil War, well, the Civil War started in 1861, so that tells me that, okay, this going up to, it's around the 18, you know, 50s, 1850-something. And, it, it you know, eventually the story becomes so familiar, you go 1857 or something. But... You can't approach a subject in, and what happened on January 3rd, 1857, because that's really difficult. And that's a lot of that information is a sort of a narrative of history. And that's what makes it kind of difficult. And so is, so is the curriculum, because I've worked a bit with it, with, yeah. with one specific platform, but mm -hmm. I molded it and I still wasn't happy. But yeah. are you saying that when the students take the test, because they have to listen to, there's a lecture component and there's Correct. some reading and there's a, the ability for them to do, there's some second language stuff that can be there for students who may not speak English as their first language. So they That's can get true. some remediation on that side. And there are some ways, I mean, they, they appear to be incredibly helpful in many ways, but when a student is tested, because they have to be tested in order to make it through that, what do you call it? That section. That unit or yeah. That, that yeah. Unit section, something like that. Unit section, something that like that. That set of information. Depending on what. That is, that is pretty much right or wrong, correct? Correct. It, yeah. And so they're looking for dates. They're looking for specific, eight. they can do multiple choice. Yeah. And, okay. uh, and, and that's really, thanks for pointing that out. It's a lot, it's a multiple choice and a lot of the uh, information is very focused in micro. However, I did English as well and they have to submit essays. Mm-hmm. And those essays are actually graded by the program itself. And then I review it and see if I agree with the grade. Right. Um, and I do know that you can do it so that the teacher themselves can grade that essay. Yeah, it can be that it just doesn't even do it. Right. But it's yeah. not the teacher. It's the teacher of credit, the person who is overseeing all of this going on. That it's not be. anybody online who's doing that. That's correct. It's, it's the teacher seeing that and going, there's an essay. Oh, I'm going to read it. What is that? Oh, the program says this is a C plus essay. And I read it and I go, well, that's about right. About a C plus, you know? And so then as a teacher, I'd say, 
Yeah, but I don't like C pluses. So here is it back. You might want to look at uh, phrasing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. <laughs> but the other the other part about the grading of say essays is that it's AI that's doing the grading. Something so, like that. And AI that. is looking for specific terms, phrases, exactly. or whatnot in order yeah. for that to go through. So mm -hmm. somebody may use something else that may mean the same, may, may have the same meaning to them and they're mm -hmm. explaining it, but it may not come through with the AI. Yeah, it's the best analogy I think would be if anybody ever tried to research Malcolm X on a filtered computer. <laughs> okay. The filter will not allow you to get past the X. So doing research on Malcolm X is kind of impossible on some school computers. It used to be. I don't know what it's like now, but some of those firewalls are so tight. Anything with X in it's like, forget about it. You can see it. Really? So it's, yeah, it's kind of a strange approach to it. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's not not everything with the letter X in it. It's like, yeah, pretty much anything with X in it. I'll just read it that way and say you can't see it. But that's, and a, then, that's a firewall setting. Yeah. But then when you come to when you come to the mathematics, yeah. that's pretty cut and dry as well. I imagine it might it, be, yeah. But it's not going to be there to examine the computation that you made mm -hmm. so that where you may have made an error, yeah. there's, we're, you we're can't sure go back and figure out the remediation of that unless, right. so there's. Science is very uh, pat too. Yeah, um, but I do know that you can do, contained, blah, 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 yeah, yeah. you can do some labs online how that works is, but, and then they also have some other ideas as to how you can set up the labs, but that would mean that you would have to have a science lab at your disposal for many of them yeah. in order for that to happen. So I didn't do the science. Now you've got me curious, but yeah. Well, yeah, because you can do online dissections and, and there's ways to do it, to manipulate mm -hmm. it. But there's some other structures yeah. that need to be in place, I believe. I, now, I'll if somebody's right. listening and they're saying, no, 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 you're wrong, let us know. Educationaltriage at gmail.com. Call us out on it. That's what we need. Yeah, please. Yeah, because I'm not familiar with it. I did, I did take a uh, sort of a self-paced uh, biology course in junior college whereby I got a lab, listened to a tape. Stop tape, write in your workbook, do the figure. Now go to the lab, take, check out, you know, packet one, two, take it, do the experiment, report the results here. And um, I loved it. And I did it really rapidly and really well. <laughs> you know, I could kind of like early in the term, I got it done. Um, and it was self-paced, but there was a lab uh, component to it. You had to do okay. the labs. So I would say if that online learning program had that same component, I'd be all for it. Okay. I think hands on is best. So here, here's one of the big advantages, and that's the accessibility and the flexibility. Yeah, yeah, that Be is one because of them. because let's say that you're you're not able to be in class, that you missed an entire semester. It's available to you wherever you are, mm -hmm. as long as, and here's part of the equity component 
as long as you have the internet that can handle it. And secondly, you also have the computer gear. That we found out during the pandemic. Right. Important. <laughs> right. Major obstacle if it isn't there. Or and if you even if you have even if you have a hotspot, there's still gonna be some lag simply mm -hmm. because if there's more than one device that has to hook up to it. Yeah, it's true. So it's and true. if there's I more agree. than one student in the home that needs to be online or the parents or whoever. Yeah. It, it, it makes a big difference. Okay, now on personalized learning, teachers can go in and they can skew things around and they can add, delete, or do whatever. Sure, say for example, some kids made it through the first quarter of a class. Mm -hmm. Well, you could start them at the second quarter or where the second quarter would start in your curriculum, that kind of thing, content-wise. Right, uh, now but, let's, uh, say, let's say that we have a student who let's say that you're teaching something and a student missed a half a quarter and they have to do the second quarter. Yeah. You can how actually, do you know, how do yeah. you know what they've done? I would look at the transcript and I would see two things, how much credit they got and which semester. And that would tell me where they were kind of getting it. And then I would give them the credit and they would only grant credits at the high school in quarters. So that's the interesting right. thing too. So but generally how would you know what content was covered? How would you well, know? Well, it's pretty kind of uniform coming from the curriculum that the high school had versus what they structure it like. Like I said, mm -hmm. it's like a, a textbook, age of discovery, colonialism, uh, westward expansion, you know, those kind of things. Right. So you kind of right. know where they're at. It's not exact. Of course, when it comes to certain subjects, it's not, well, even all of them really there's at certain times of the year, there's certain things that are presented generally grade level appropriate, but say, you know, someone's ahead in November, someone's behind in November, you know, that sort of thing. And that's where alternative ed I'd come in. I find out what the kids needed and what they didn't. That was important. Right. To find and out. where they were. <laughs> Yeah, it's like some of the things are really good at and they really wanted to do a lot of it. It's like, hey, slow down, because this one thing you really got to focus on. That's an obstacle if you if you don't do well, it now. Well, here is my problem, and that's because I was incredibly familiar with all the with with the syllabi for yeah. just about every single subject at the high school. So when yeah. I was designing curriculum, when I was creating it, and then when I had to look at the online platform, I needed to know where they were. And I would check with the teacher and say, did they make it to this point? Or are they still not there? And knowing exactly where they needed to be yeah. and looking at the scope and sequence as well, then I could design and I could eliminate portions of it. But the district was adamant that we not yeah. take away anything even though it would mean that they will have taken they should be able to receive probably two credits for a one credit class because of all the material that's covered it's it's the same thing as when you and i were talking about credit recovery and i brought up the fact that 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 one person i met at a conference was talking about how if a student yeah. failed a course the school board determined that that was necessary for that yeah. same student 
to take an entire textbook and they had to complete the entire textbook's worth yeah. of information. Full, full in disclosure to, to the audience. Get that class. Uh, Tony has suffered from this directly. I think he's mentioned it. He has mentioned it to me. Uh -huh. <laughs> he, he advocated for, you know, what are you talking about the entire year? And they went, yes, we want you to just give them the course. And you were saying, no, I need to know where they're at. What they, it's, they know they've done some and they, you were running into the brick wall. The, we're not about students here. God darn it. We're about curriculum. <laughs> we're about equity while they're trampling on the students. That's and the brick true, wall, yeah. the problem with yeah. the brick wall was that I pulled some Houdinis and <laughs> Yeah. I made it through the brick wall because what they don't know doesn't hurt them. So I redesigned everything so that we brought it down and they were, they were dad berm. I mean, dad gum going to go in there and they were going to yeah. strip all that away. The, but the, I believe, yeah. but what I believe is that I was able to instill some of the, virtues <laughs> and some of the philosophies behind what we were trying to do because we're trying to take yeah, students yeah. who may not have been able to succeed in the class because of language because of who knows what reasons time Ugh, it, it yeah. could be family it could be cultural yeah. there was some reason why they weren't succeeding and right. we know that if there is a huge learning gap for a student when they get to high school, they're not going to be able to sit in a class because they are going to clown themselves back out so that they don't right. have to look stupid or fail. I think the better so, way to say it maybe is that we're trying to remove obstacles. We're not right. trying to set more up. We're not trying to have them climb a skyscraper when they only need to go over a small hill. Correct. It's like, yeah, it, it, time is important to everyone and and everywhere and it's it's as important to them as it's important to us and that's not cool to say hey <laughs> and the more and the more relevant structure would be to work with them on the lacking skills and get them up to par so that they could succeed rather than punish them behind what this really needs to be worked with yeah it's it's where we actually are able to look at somebody and it it obliterates their mask of wanting equity because, <laughs> yeah. well, it does. I mean, yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. It, so, and we already know that mostly equity, when they say it in school districts and they say, we're doing everything equitably and we are working for those students. Well, why are those, why do we have schools that are lacking? in huge resources and why do those always seem to be in the poorer neighborhoods and why are they why do they have more students of color in them yeah so where's the equity in that if it was equitable then all students would be getting the same thing in fact you might actually give more to those that are lacking so that they can be able to have the same outcomes that you like to talk about as mm -hmm. those other schools on the other side of the tracks i agree I, they bl don't blame the victims when the system's set up inequitably. Well, 
they don't blame the victims. They like to show them for photo ops and then they trample them as they run out the door. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think of any other way to put it. So now when we talk about credit recovery and remediation, how are you going to teach somebody how to read? How are you going to do basic mathematics with somebody on a computer program when you it's very nuanced, isn't it? I mean, I know that trying to teach students how to read, I'm not going to say I'm the best one, but it's better to have a one-on-one -on -one session with somebody to teach them how to read in, in an isolated setting rather than have them in front of a computer trying to learn how to read. I mean, you could use it maybe as reinforcement. Or yeah, I'm not sure, because the programs we're talking about are secondary education. So there's an assumption that you still have <laughs> students who can't read. I know. And so now I'm thinking, oh, they're useless. <laughs> I don't know of any of that would teach a kid to read. Or do basic math. Yeah, I mean, they're assuming that you have a certain level. And so below that certain level, there's no accommodation. Mm -hmm. with those programs. I don't know of them. I never, there was, there were tools to use. There were things to help them organize. Lots of gadgets that told them how far they'd been and what their grade was so far, but nothing to teach them the basics. And also when you have students who come in from other countries and they come in, I had a student who hadn't been in school since third grade. And he came up and he was 18 years old, couldn't read or write. They asked me to take him on. I said, sure. They said, he's a really smart kid. I said, that's fine. I sat down with him. Great guy. Problem. He had to work full time. In fact, he was working two jobs. Yeah. Didn't have money. I mean, didn't have the ability to know that his survival skills overpowered his scholastic skills. That's well put. I met a bunch of kids like that. He had to work. His mother brought him up so that he could pay the rent for her. She hadn't seen him in 16 years, but she had him come up because he could work hard. And so he did. He worked two jobs, paying the rent, the food, the bills, because she didn't want to work. But this was cultural. Mm -hmm. And then he kept telling me, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. He would call me. I can't make it in. And finally I said, I can't, I can't have you in the program until you're ready because your spot is taking somebody else's spot. And I need somebody who can be here. And I have businesses who want to work with you that could train you to take you to another level, but you're never here. Yeah, you won't start and, the journey. I can't do that for you. Right. And so it brings, I have empathy for that because my father in many ways was in the same kind of boat uh -oh. where oh. he worked. My father worked throughout his life. He was in foster homes. He, he made it through so much of his life so that when he was finally, he made it to university, hmm. but he had to work in order to survive. Right. And so that became his number one priority was survival. University was secondary. He still did very well, but these students are in the same boat. 
And as you've said before, we keep applying the normative middle-class values to all these students and expect them to be there. While it would be nice for them to make it there, we have to look at who they are, where they are, and how do we take them from where they are, which is alternative education, and give them a hand so that they can start making their way up. We're not going to pick them up. We're going to help them up. And yes, they want to come up, but there's a morass of all kinds of crap that they have to make it through. It's not wrong. It's just different. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing. I had one student who (laughs) wanted to finish high school and his boss would never let him come to school. And, and I was accommodating him with a mm-hmm. pretty good schedule and keeping him fed with work really well. He's working like a crazy man. So I finally called his boss. I said, hi, <laughs> you really need him to finish this. And I, I talked to him about how it works. And, and then he understood. He goes, oh, okay. He's a great worker. I said, yes, he is. But he'll be even more valuable to you with his high school diploma. And that's what we're working with. And see, I had a student who came back to us. She had vanished had dropped out, came back, said, I really want to come in, mm. was working full time. And I finally called the department store where she was working. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, she is a student. <laughs> and they yeah. said, but we need her because she's the best employee we have. She trains everybody. And I said, yeah. we got to figure out a way so that she can succeed here. That's exactly correct. That's and then I, she yeah. came in and she yeah. said they threatened to cut her hours in half. And she needed to be, once again, survival. She needed full-time employment. That is so wrong. And they could not figure out a way to make that jibe. And so, once again, she had to drop out. Yeah. And I hardly saw her. I might see her for two hours a week, but that was not going to do cut it. it. That now the online stuff might help in this case. You right. got a kid who, you know, you're going to remove obstacles. You just have to make sure they're proficient, you know, just rubber stamp their knowledge and go, oh yeah, well even, you know, they're 19, so they should be at high school level. You got to make sure. But you would want to like streamline a little bit, maybe there. Um, Let me ask that's you. a good use of it. Let me ask another question on that, though. Yeah. In a situation like this, why couldn't we have a designed curriculum on classroom? Wouldn't that be a lot cheaper? It would already have what the student needed. Yeah. And it well. was and it was already accommodating. We don't have to have an extra bill. We don't have to go through all these extra steps. Is that because the district perhaps does not, does not believe in the autonomy or they don't trust that teachers are good enough to be able to do something like that in order to accommodate children? Is Yeah, you're, you're right. Well, you, of course, if you go in classroom, you're going to create the curriculum. <laughs> you're a teacher. That's what you do. You already have uh, the curriculum. Yeah, yeah. So you get it on classroom and then it's cheaper because you're already paying me to do it. Uh, but there is that aspect. You're right. You may be right. They don't I've noticed that the uniformity of curriculum is 
taking priority over uh, everything anymore. And, and, and why that is. And the odd thing is that it's becoming far more popular. And in m many of the articles that I've been reading and the people that I've been talking to, they're now saying it's not a teacher, a, a teacher attraction problem. It's a teacher retention problem. How oh, are they keeping yeah. the teachers yeah. rather than, well, there is a teacher shortage, but that's, but it's getting worse because they can't keep the teachers. If you were able teachers. to keep the teachers and you were able to yeah. allow them to actually teach and quit layering on extra responsibilities, mm -hmm. this would be a teaching responsibility. Having to do mental health structures for students as opposed to having PE and arts and other outlets for them where they were actually doing more socializing and having more social events where they aren't being quite so siloed in a sense on their computers and away and having even fewer social interactions, unless this is designed for them hmm. to be in these weird places, mm -hmm. I would say that this lends itself to more mental health issues because we already oh, yeah. know that to the amount of time that they spent on computers at that time and the amount that they spend, it's, it's just not healthy. But if they're working on a classroom mm -hmm. and they're kind of going through everything, it lends itself to being a lot more different because then you can have more social interactions. Yeah. Depending yeah. on the teacher and depending on what they're doing. It reminds me of the joke. It's actual reality, which is much better than virtual reality. <laughs> Right, because it's I, true. Yeah. because if my teacher does something like a flipped classroom or has a series of lectures mm -hmm. from which I can listen and then do the performative piece yeah. on classroom and I can go back to those and then if I have questions, I can get feedback from the teacher and we can discuss it. You could even do personal things. For example, when I would um, substitute fifth grade um, it's perfect sweet spot. I had a bunch of fidget toys. And when the kids would start fidgeting, I'd go, okay, time out here. I got some stuff here. So I'm going to pass it out, take care of it. No, do that. Don't do this. Let's do this. And then we'll move on with the lesson. And they really loved it, you know, and, and they rarely fought over the stuff. I brought enough for everyone to be, you know, appealed. And I thought, okay, so if you're doing the curriculum, even if you're doing it remotely or in classroom, you can still interact with your students by giving them like a fidget toy. We're having that that interaction going, okay, today, you know, with your assignments is included a fidget toy. That's yours. You keep that. And so you still got that connection whereby if you go with one of the platforms, that that recorded lecture has come and gone as far as a human being goes. You know, once you click off of them, they cease to exist. You don't know who that person really is. Mm -hmm. And then that's a big deal because <laughs> you don't have that commitment. When it's a packed class, there's no way to go, whoa, you know, I know something about this t speaker. You know nothing about those speakers. They're just people who are speaking. Um, and if you have a clarification that oh, you yeah. need, oh, how are you, you going to ask that clarification? Yeah, well, that's what we were for. 
as teachers, but that wasn't near enough for me to do if you want, because no one would ask me for clarifications, really. I would have loved it. In fact, when they did, I kind of enjoyed it a lot. But yeah, they wouldn't. And, and that, I don't, I like to teach. I don't like to accommodate. And when I was doing the online, it was a lot of accommodation. You know, you do this program, do that program. I'm here to instruct you. Yeah, it felt kind of unused and unneed, non-needed. And see, there was, I had a student in the past who needed to do a credit recovery in PE. And I wasn't doing, I, at that time, I was doing uh, academic therapy. And she would come in and she'd look at me and say, can you help me with my PE class? I'd say, what do you mean, help you with your PE class? She didn't have to do anything physical. She, it was all online. She just had to fill out these forms. She just had to learn about, I mean, it was almost, you know, a little bit of anatomy, a little bit of kinesiology, but she really didn't have to do anything. That's health, not PE, but okay. Well, it was I a mean, PE class. If it, it, I know, it, I was going to say, yeah, you could. I could do a health class. In fact, I used to love to do them because, you know, I was doing uh, meditation and yoga and things. So I would take the kids along for rides with that. We'd do, I'd do a yoga class and, Mm-hmm. Definitely, that was health, you know, uh, health or pee. But because we talked about the aspects of what it did and things, but yeah, uh, I guess you right. could go both that way. Yeah. So the oh. access we've talked about. Yeah. Um, you can do enrichment courses, and and I brought that up earlier that you could do enrichment if somebody wanted to find out something more about something. You could always put them on there, but to have it as the main course. Mm. Um, They're not referring. There's no unless the student is actually. Okay, we talk about learning styles. Yeah. Now, if you were to put me in front of one of those classes, I would have a terrible time. I would be miserable doing <laughs> something like that. Now, let me let me set this straight. I did yeah. do MOOCs. I have done MOOCs, and I have learned tons from MOOCs difference is with a MOOC, I can go for three to four hours every week to two weeks. I'm sorry, I'm ignorant. I may be ignorant. What, what a MOOC? What is a MOOC? What be a MOOC? MOOC is a massive open online course. Oh, that's so anachronistic or anachronistic. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. They are, they have gained so much popularity because my oh. mother came down with a form of dementia. And so I was doing research and I did my blog. But while I was doing all of this, I wanted to learn as much as I could about dementia in this particular form. It was Lewy body dementia. And she was diagnosed. And right after she was diagnosed and she had we we had to find a placement for her um, so that she wasn't a danger to herself or anybody else. Robin Williams died of Lewy body dementia. And then, and then, uh, Casey, Casey Kasem passed from Lewy body dementia. So there were all these people who started having it and it was, it was one of those, you're not looking for it, but all of a sudden you learn about it and all of a sudden it, it, it just starts flying at you. So you learn (laughs) even more. 
So it's just one of those weird coincidences. Anyway, so I went online because the Wicking Institute, um, University of Australia, Tasmania, they have this MOOC. And I think at the time there were 17,500 of us around the world who took Mm it. And there were tests that you would take and pass through. And if you needed to do it for some kind of a licensure, you could get those certifications. But for me, it was just one of those self-learning things and it was free. And the last time I looked, I think there were over 100,000 people doing signed up to take that one. And they do it maybe twice a year now. Oh, So wow. if you take a look, you can find these and they're fascinating. Well, that's a lot different than putting a kid down in front. And this is what they wanted us to do with our alternative program was the kids would be there for six hours a day. And they wanted five of those hours to be in front of that computer working diligently. Yeah, no. And there's something really wrong with that. When before the students were doing, they, they may have been doing packets, but the packets they were sitting down working on or they were reading books, they were doing something, but there was also the interaction where we would sit with them and we could go over it with them. Mm -hmm. We could modify it with them. We could, there was a lot more interaction with these. Everything is, do you want to eat TV dinners for the rest of your life? Uh, Really? It's pretty much what it is. And how much (sighs) nutrition do you really get? They're high in sodium. There's so many, yeah, you get food, but is it really the best food for you? Yeah. And is this really that, how we want to teach our kids? The difference between conceptualizing knowledge is opening up your head and pouring things in versus mm-hmm. like the fire to be lit. I can't remember the, the Greek philosopher said that, but it's not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lit, knowledge and learning. And uh, you don't learn things by just uh filling your brain with stuff. And that's what it does. It delivers to you stuff. And then you fit that stuff in the framework of taking tests, taking notes, remembering it for this long. And then after it's done, probably letting it go. Unless of course a fire's lit, in which case you're going, wow, I want more. That class is intriguing. And then you probably wouldn't take their next class wanting more from that same venue. (laughs) You probably go a little deeper. Yeah. You might want to dig going through some other resources, maybe through the library. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, it's not going to really light anybody's fire. And that was the problem because that's my shtick. As a teacher, I looked for that. If fires weren't being lit, I started looking for things to throw out there to set on fire because it's my, my standpoint on teaching is if you, if you're boring the students, you know, deliberately, (laughs) it's bad, but if you're doing it, you shouldn't do it. You should shift gears at all costs. Even if you start talking about the weather or something, you know, because learning is difficult, especially things you have no clue of or context in and, and so to present it as something interesting, at least, is our obligation. And online stuff is not interesting. It's- see, I can see it as 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 a secondary source. Yeah. The most. That it could be used for students who might benefit for it. Mm-hmm. But to say this is the only way that our alternative students or our credit recovery students will learn. <sighs> I think that that flies in the face of 
anybody's definition of equity in the first place. Or alternative Secondly, ed in particular, specifically, really. It just flies the right. alternative and ed. <laughs> Now, here's something, and I'm going to link this article down below. Our dear friend, Tara Garcia Mathewson, just published an article on how AI it it says that English language learners, people who are not native speakers, are usually called out for cheating no. on AI uh checks oh, you know dear. when they when they submit to turnitin.com or any of the others yeah that this happens and so because they automatically assume that it's either ai or that it's cheating now she mm. brings up she brings up uh an instructor at oh. johns hopkins who had a student and the student hadn't received a grade i think this is right yeah. And the and the instructor said, well, it says that 75% or so of your paper was AI generated. And the student said, no, here are my notes, here are my outlines, here are the articles, da-da-da-da-da, that I went through. And the teacher thought, wow. And then later on, that same instructor was working with another foreign student on their paper, and they submitted, and the same thing happened. So it discounts yeah. the work by second language learners, you know, non-native speakers of English. Well, it shows a bias in regards to like the Turing test. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so if it's a white student, you're thinking, oh, by all means, that's, that's the human. But if it's a student that's not white, you're going, oh, that's, a, that's an artificial. You're going, that, that human can't produce that. No, the they found that it's second language learners. Yeah, but I'm saying not necessarily that, white. Okay, you're right. I'm saying generally speaking, second language learners. You're right. Yeah. Um, they don't get that benefit of the doubt. We were talking about equity. I'm thinking more like color and race. But you're right. There are some like Russian speakers. And, See, when I and speak like, of equity, I mean all students. Yeah, I'm not looking at whether or not I'm right. this kind of student over that kind of student. I'm, thinking I'm not either. I'm just generally kind of, it was just a generalization, which I shouldn't be making. It's, um, because general folks of color on the other side of that, well, you know, you're, you're a person of color. You couldn't, I'm, I'm not going to take your word for it per se, as, as if a white person says something, it's kind of like, oh yeah, of course you said that. It, it's just yeah. a kind of a bias we have. That well, it's the, but you're right. It might have a lot to do with the Turing test anyway. It's just, no, that can't be something you've achieved. And so, yeah, it actually is something that I've achieved, regardless of what the AI may say about it. Right. And so some, some places have actually, there are a couple that are now looking at how to get rid of that bias. What do they have to do in order to eliminate yeah. that? But turnitin.com is one of the ones that actually sees this. Yeah, you have to wonder. It's so, just and really I can't remember the new, fresh, and kind of complicated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, just to note that you had written this um, organizational chart, an outline, and uh, I had gone over it, and 
and that was it was very good i liked it a lot and i thought to myself hmm, is there anything i'd add or take away and not really yeah you know, i could kind of like look at this tweak that or tweak this and then i told you that very thing and you go you know that it was ai generated <laughs> and i thought maybe i should start looking into using ai because it was darn good there your outline yeah. see ai is a resource it is a resource that's my point you still have to be you still have to be i still side eye it oh yeah i still go through and i have to i mean it's very good at taking the information that i plug into it and it sorts through it and it can create a good outline for me mm-hmm I don't use everything in that outline. In fact, I eliminate things ah. because it throws in yes, what yeah. it wants in there, not necessarily what I think is important. So the outline you showed me had been edited by you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes perfect sense then. That's why. Yeah. Cause it was extremely appropriate. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> I was a little scared. Yeah. But yeah. So, okay. It's like so, you said, it's a resource. Let's sum up where we are so far. Mm-hmm. So there's a lack of personal interaction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, limited hands-on experiential learning, which is not good for, I mean, a lot of our learners are kinesthetic. They are, They need to get away from everything. They need to have things that calm them down, settle their minds a little bit because they come from all over. And so we need to be able to assess those because one size fits all doesn't work, obviously, because if they're alternative ed, they they weren't making it for whatever reason in the mainstream. (laughs) Doesn't mean that they're stupid, doesn't mean that they need remediation. They just have a harder time. Technical issues. There's equity with the technical issues because something might go awry. You gotta own a computer. Sometimes you got to own the internet. You got to like rent or you have, you know, service. If you have to have access site, to all of that. You got to have that. Yeah. Um, sometimes during the winter, some people go to the libraries and yeah. use that internet. Sometimes they have to use those computers at the libraries, but they have wait lines sometimes there. Yeah. During the pandemic, people were in the McDonald's parking lot using that Wi-Fi. <laughs> so... You know, there are just so many different reasons, but where there's a will, there's a way. And if the students tell us, then we can work with them and we can figure out a solution. Yep. Self-motivation and time management is not always something that our students have a good handle on. Yeah, we talked about that. You know, the kid that thinks he has to work or the employer that thinks the kid has to work for them. Yeah. Because their motivation is elsewhere. Yeah. Time management. Sometimes kids do not always have time, good time management skills. Let's face it. (laughs) Not always. (laughs) I mean, I still struggle sometimes with time management, but. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) It's a skill. When, Yeah. So you have you to know, learn the thing how I to do is that. that. They'd be online with the screen. And then when I was doing the online, I, I looked for the facial change, not the screen, because you can tell when they click back onto something, their, their demeanor changes. 
I got pretty good at reading that. And then I go over and they'd, I'd see their hand click and I go, uh, uh-huh, yeah. And then I just lean down and say, just the word, please, not other ones. You know, it's like the other thing is that, like with classroom, if you are in another part of the classroom, mm-hmm. and let's say you're just working, you can always monitor your screen. You can see where the kids are in classroom. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's other things. So that. you're able to see what they're up to. You can't really do that with any of these with GradPoint, with Odyssey Where, with Edgenuity, yeah. with Plato, whatever. You can monitor this the online computers that you get rolling with some software. But, uh... And you also lose out on your school culture. We didn't because have it. you don't have a community anymore. Yeah, and then because... you have this obligation, like you'd have to come two times per week to a half an hour check-in mm-hmm. sort of, and then we'd try to like, you know, I don't know, talk about something that was general for the school district and them and, and stuff. Anyway, and a lot of kids really resisted that. I'm thinking, geez, that's only a half hour, twice. Well, I remember students having a really hard time with that. Yeah. And I said, well, why are you having a terrible time? Well, because they want me to have stuff done by them. And I sort of side-eyed and I said, are you kidding me? Two days a week. Uh, that's right. So, that would be one of the reasons I didn't make my deadlines and I don't want to hear about it. Right. So there we go yeah. back to the time management. And the student yeah. relationships with the teachers, because I didn't have that problem before I arrived there. The teachers were very, you know, um, reward and punishment and shame. They use shame. You know, you should be this far. You should be doing better. You should this, you should that. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> they're an alternative kid. They should not be here. Quark. But, <laughs> you know, they would think I would say that and they go, what do you mean? I go, they're alternative kids. They shouldn't be doing a lot of things and they do them really well. It's mm-hmm. so, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't helpful. Well, I remember I sent a couple of kids to you at that program. And one of them used to call me and say, can you help me with this? And I said, really? well, why are you coming to me? You're working with them. Yeah, but they don't really help me. And I would say, well, come on in. Let's take a look. Let me see. And then, But you're going to have to explain to me what's going on with this because I had no idea how to do what they were doing. And so uh, they were yeah. able to do that. We got some of it done, but some of it was just a lot of our students need handholding. They need that point of contact. They need to have that relationship because online we don't have a relationship so much. They yeah, need to have that relationship that somebody is there for them and that they care and that they can just go to them. And maybe they just need to sit down and say, can I just sit here next to you while I do my work? I had kids like that, even in the online. They would well, come just talk and talk to me, and I would let them. Because they it was need important to have, a connection. To have that connection. Correct. Uh, the culture there was, we don't have time for connection. You should tell them to get back to work. Well, whoever was I your... Was constantly whoever was your lead needed to get into a jar so you could shake it up a little bit. No, she had like three or four years experience. So she knew everything there was to know apparently. Oh, okay. And she yeah, had I'm still learning. So. Yeah, I'm me. I was like, hmm, but I knew that was important. Yeah. We so got to get rid of know-it-alls. Yeah. So 
It's not about the work so much as. Because for alternative ed, we have to have adaptation to special needs. Now, yeah. if I have a second language learner, yes, there are some points on in on these programs that will adapt to their language and they can learn that way. How are we working with them to integrate knowledge and skills so that they're also working on their English and academic skills? They could be learning, let's say that they're learning, they, let's say that they come from south of, south of the states, Central or South America. Right. They, in order for them to survive, and, and they're still at that wonderful time of their life where they can really pick up the language quickly. Right. Through, through peer interactions except most of their peers probably speak the same language that they do. And I know a lot of students who had a terrible time learning the language because they spoke almost exclusively in their native tongue. Yeah. So how do we work with them on, on this and work with their ELL teachers in order to help get them into understanding more stop that first off i if you're using online learning platform you don't i mean i don't see how i could coordinate the language the content and then with the language learning people i whoa it would be like i don't know how i'd make that transition i know how i'd do it maybe in alternative ed with not the the online platform and how do you to. how do you adapt for special ed? That's another thing too. You know, I mean, not only is it not adaptable really to special ed, special ed kids are really good at hiding the fact that they're not getting the content, and so it's difficult mm-hmm. to get that too. They're kind of decent at maybe A B C Ding it, but generally, if they're special ed, they're missing key components for sure. And they can hide. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say, sure, it's cheaper. It's cheaper for a district to have a computerized system of learning than it is to hire teachers who know what they're doing. It's uniform. It's uniform. it it it's 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 good for enrichment but it lacks it lacks clarity it lacks contact it lacks context it lacks personalization it lacks equity sure does it's not equitable so my concern is that if districts are going this way, that teachers need to step back and say, look, we know what we're doing. In the state of Oregon, we are allowed to teach whatever we believe we are able to teach. As long as there are other teachers who are highly qualified within reach and context of the programmer school that we're working in. Yep. That's our job. 
That doesn't mean I'm going to be teaching Algebra 2 because I'm not comfortable with that. I'm really not. I did teach it. I did teach geometry. I did teach Algebra 1. I taught English. I taught the social sciences. Mm -hmm. I taught many of the natural sciences. I did not teach chemistry. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it came to being highly qualified. When they evaluated me, I was highly qualified in everything but mathematics, foreign language, and uh, uh, hard science, physical science. And so mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, um, that makes sense. Right. So, and I also yeah. taught foreign language. I taught yeah, I dramatics. I taught music. I taught yeah. art. There were... Yeah. But the thing is, is when... And they're worried about state testing. Well, the problem is that when I taught what I taught, all my students came out exceptional on the testing. They did incredibly well. As mine did. I mean, they did well. They all got their proficiency. Um, yeah, we shot for that. We targeted that and we got there. So um, I didn't target anything. I just wanted the kids to learn the material. Yeah, we and they went past it. I mean, I just I wanted yeah. to make sure they were proficient. Here's your here's your proficiency scale. They did it. Now let's go learn. You're right. I, got, I was just thinking while you're talking about the things you taught, and I thought about the things I taught. I, then I, it's the fundamental question hit me: Why, in an environment of teachers like us, would you want to just default to an online program? It's period. about control. It's about a lot of things, but it's certainly not about teaching kids. It's and about, it has nothing to do with kids. It's about yeah. control. It is. It's got to be, or it's about cost, like you said, because yeah, we're teachers. We know how to do it with two and, and amongst all those other kids. And this is just a pat program. It's honestly, it's a, it's canned hash. It's got no salt or flavor to it. Versus and it's a lack of respect hash. for the students and their abilities. And it's yes. also punishment yes. for students for yes. not doing, for not complying and conforming to what they demand. Ah, uh, and that's the, you know, you're right. You're, the overall arch is that. It's like, well, we'll show them if they can't do it our way, they'll look in another way. And it's, right. Yeah, it's like, jeez. Well, we yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not good stuff. And I don't even know if it's useful now, really. If you've got teachers, <laughs> hey. <laughs> So, wrapping up, I'm going to say make sure that you hit that subscribe button for further episodes. We have some cool ones that are on the way. Two, make sure that you let us know what you think of this. Give us a review. Give us a like. Check out our YouTube channel. You can find us, you can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. So... Be sure that you check us out. Be sure that you get involved in the conversation. Give us some feedback. We love it. And we will see you again next week. So, Philip, thank you again. Tony's been fun. Aloha. Aloha. So, until then, have a wonderful week. Keep your eyes on the stars. And build those relationships. Until then, bye-bye.